what is wrong with our world as, as we look around one fact is absolutely true each of us will in the normal course of events die at some point and none of us knows when that day will be it's quite possible that the eldest person here will live the longest we don't know but death is an appointment that waits for each of us but why do people die why do people of all ages die from young babies to the very elderly the question is very solemn and very personal it's one of the most important questions we could ever think about and it is this question which is answered for us in the fifth chapter of Romans in the passage we heard read a few minutes ago beginning at verse 12 and in this passage we, we see that Adam was a real man Adam was a real man. When you open a Bible at the beginning, you very quickly find Adam. Right there in Genesis 2. But Adam is not just in Genesis. Adam is here in Romans chapter 5. It has become popular amongst many to think of Genesis as a mere myth perhaps something which conveys some truth perhaps as some say it's, it's a poetic type of description of, of God controlling everything some sort of idea of God controlled evolution perhaps others say it's theological it's not scientific some see it as a picture of each individual person having to face that test to choose evil or good but the Bible presents Adam as a real man as the first man, as the man that God created. The facts that that scripture presents are very straightforward. Adam was created from the dust of the earth. Adam was made in the image of God. Adam became a living soul. During his earthly ministry, the Lord Jesus referred to God's creative act in Matthew 19 verse 4 when he said how have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female the scripture presents to us a God who is all powerful a God who is able to create anything from nothing with a word. That is 
the very definition of a real God. Indeed, a God who couldn't do that is not worth knowing about. In Adam, we find the man who is, in many ways, foundational. Adam is real. And Adam is the core of our problem. It is because of Adam that we die. In Romans, the Apostle Paul shows how Adam's actions apply to us here today. The whole of Scripture stands and falls together. We cannot reject Genesis, but accept Romans. If you reject Genesis, you must reject the Gospels, you must reject Romans. This is the consistent teaching of Scripture. Science cannot extrapolate backwards and draw conclusions. As if everything had constantly been the same. Because it hasn't. God intervened. God did something dramatic. He created this whole world from nothing. He created Adam from nothing in a moment. Yes, he spread those actions out over a week But he could have done it all in one moment. This is the God of Scripture. This is the holy God who we are to worship. This is the God before whom we stand as our judge. We are not here preaching. A God who's filling in some gaps, trying to answer the difficult questions of the evolutionist theory. No, we present the God, a scripture who created everything with a word of his power. But when God created Adam, he wasn't left just to live his life however he wanted to. God placed him in a beautiful, a wonderful garden filled with fruit, desirable to be eaten. But God gave him one simple law. Wasn't a difficult law. Wasn't as if there were thousands of laws hard to understand. It was one simple law. 
in the middle of the garden, there's one tree you're not allowed to eat of. Just one tree. An abundance of fruit everywhere else, but one tree you must not eat of. If you eat of it, in that day, you will die. In effect, God said to Adam, Trust me! Trust me all the time, every day, every week. Just trust me. Take my word, it's true. Live in its light. You will be blessed. Disobey me, do what's wrong, and you will be judged. The problem. God made a good covenant with Adam. There was nothing unholy or wrong in his covenant, his agreement, his solemn promise. But Adam chose to reject it. Adam decided to do what he thought was best. He thought that God was keeping something back. He disobeyed. He wanted to be like God and so broke that covenant. The Bible is a book about God. The Bible is a book about how God deals with people like us. And it begins with Adam. Verse 12 tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we see our second point. Adam's sin brought death to us all. Adam's sin brought death to us all. Again and again in this passage through to the end of the chapter, this simple fact is emphasised and repeated. Verse 15, through the offence of one, many be dead. Verse 17, by one man's offence, death reigned by one. Verse 18, by the offence of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Verse 19, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Many were made sinners. Adam's sin brought death to us all. It is because of Adam's sin, his breaking of God's express command, that each of us here was born guilty before God. The psalmist in Psalm 51, the fourth verse says, In sin 
Did my mother conceive me? You did not start off life as sweet and innocent. You did not begin as if you were a blank sheet of white paper ready to be formed for good or for bad. You started off coated in that black ink of guilt because of Adam's sin. In Adam, you are guilty. But, 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 how can that possibly be fair? I wasn't there! I didn't sin when Adam sinned. Surely I didn't. Just a moment. Consider what God did. As our creator, as our judge, he made a simple test for the whole of humanity. And Adam was the whole of humanity. Adam was your representative. He was your federal head. He gave one law to the whole of humanity and the whole of humanity failed. Adam was better placed than you are. He was in a perfect world. But he failed. He did not trust God. He reached out and he took up that fruit and he ate it for himself. He was not deceived. He was not tricked. He knew what he was doing. He did it on behalf of everyone who was in Adam. He stood in your place to face God's test. And he did exactly what you would have done. He chose to rebel against God. And to try and give himself that extra experience. Of that sense of knowledge and power. To become in some way like God. When he sinned. He brought death upon the whole of humanity. Adam has communicated to each of us what was in him, what belonged to him. He failed that test on your behalf. His guilt is our guilt. We call this original sin. It's not a popular thought today. But it's what the scripture teaches. And it's a very, very important subject. And this explains why even babies are subject to death. Adam chose to sin. 
He brought his guilt upon us all. And a curse upon the world. Our world, because of Adam's sin, is no longer a paradise. But a place of suffering. A place of thorns and thistles. We know it is true. If, if you grow anything in the garden, the weeds grow best. And all the little creatures that come and attack your plants, they eat your cabbages. Job 5 verse 7, man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upwards. God dealt with Adam as our representative. We were in Adam when he sinned, so we bear that guilt as our own. Now, every day in your life, you prove that to be a fact. You show that you naturally are in Adam by your Sin. Sin is what we do, naturally. You don't have to teach a young child to be a little devious, deceptive, rebellious. To explain to them very carefully how to tell lies. How to be disobedient. You don't. It comes naturally. Some do some things a lot more than others. But all of us are sinners. We are guilty in Adam. We are guilty before God, the judge of the whole earth. But what about the law? What about the law? Surely Surely, not everybody knows about God's law. That's true. What do we read here? Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that did, had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? Until the law. Until the time at Sinai, when God gave the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments, if you like, the moral law, until that time, God hadn't given a written expression of law to people. But people kept dying. Death reigned. Just go back to Genesis and think about it for a moment. What about Noah? In Noah's day, everybody who didn't get on board the ark died. All of them. They died because they were sinners. They died because death reigned. But the law hadn't been given yet to Moses. 
It was many, many years yet before that happened. How then can it be true and right? Well, we have the whole of creation round about us. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 tells us, For the invisible things of him, of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So that they are without excuse. Every single one of us can see and know something of God's power. His glory. His holiness. Romans chapter 2 in the first verse tells us that we are inexcusable. Thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. If you go and steal something from a thief, he will get angry. He will have a sense of justice and know that it's wrong. Even if he knows nothing about what's in the scriptures. Even if he's never heard, thou shalt not steal. But when he judges you and gets angry, he is showing himself to be guilty of breaking that same law. Each of us has a conscience. Each of us knows enough to prove ourselves guilty of some things in God's sight. We fail to acknowledge God as our creator and we do things that are actually wrong in our lives. Even by our own standards we are guilty. All of us are guilty before God. Thankfully, we are not each as bad as we might be. However, everything we do, think, say and do, is contaminated by sin. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We were born that way. Because we are born in Adam, his children, the children of wrath, even as other. Adam transgressed God's law and brought sin and death upon us all. Death reigns. And we see this culture of death becoming very vocal in our land. That which is evil is being promoted. The right to kill the child in the womb. The total confusion that there is in our land about 
the fact that God made us male and female. People are denying the basic science. They have moved away from, in rebellion, they have moved away from the simplest revelation. They object to any thought that we are accountable to our Creator. And pollution, waste, climate change, all that sort of thing is seen as the world's great problems, the threat to humanity. But they've started in the wrong place. It's what's inside us that's causing the problems and trouble in the world. It's because our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked that everything is contaminated and goes wrong. And that's where we need to start. And so in this passage, we see death is here because Adam is real. Adam rebelled. Adam brought death upon his all by his sin. So death reigned. But thirdly, in our passage, there's a wonderful good news for us. In Christ, there is life. Adam is not the end of the story. Verse 14 tells us that Adam is the figure of him that was to come. In some way, Adam explains to us, shows us some truth that helps us understand the Lord Jesus Christ, God's promised Saviour. Adam gives us a pattern of what Christ is like in some way, and what he's done. But don't be confused here. Adam rebelled. Adam brought sin. That's not the pattern. Rather, the picture that's given to us is of one man doing one act which affects everybody who is in him. One man rebelled. One man brought death upon everyone who is in him. In contrast, Jesus came. Jesus lived a life of obedience. A life that was righteous. He never did anything that was wrong. He didn't rebel. He didn't tell lies. He didn't steal. He kept God's law perfectly. He didn't have just one single simple law to keep. He had lots of law to keep. But he kept it all. With complete obedience. As verse 18 says, by the righteousness of one, free gift came upon all men, 
unto justification of life. You see, Adam stood as our representative, our federal head. Adam acted in the place of everyone who was in him. But Christ came as the new head, a new representative, a new federal head with a new covenant. And he kept God's will perfectly. And so, for everyone who is in Christ, he brings life. Do you see the point? That if, if you object to Adam's guilt being placed upon you, you must also object to Christ's righteousness being placed upon you. The pattern is the same, although the effect is dramatically different. Death, life, from disobedience, bringing the reign of death, to Christ's righteousness and obedience, bringing everlasting life. This is the wonderful truth of the Gospel. If you go back into Genesis, we find that God created Adam. God gave Adam a law. Adam rebelled and rejected it. But then, God came and called Adam. God provided him with a covering. And then God gave a gracious promise. Chapter 3, verse 15. There was that great prophecy. Where we read of, of the serpent. It shall bruise thy head. And speaking, speaking rather of the, of the seed of the woman, the, the one who would come, we are told that the serpent would bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And there was a promise of one who would come and win the victory and who would defeat the enemy. And that promise is right back there in Genesis. We know that the Lord Jesus, he went into the wilderness, and he endured those days of temptation. He was challenged to make bread from stones. He was challenged to use supernatural power to escape the challenges of life. He was tested in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. He won the victory. He was obedient. Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. By the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Verse 17 tells us by one man's offence death reigned by one. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. 
Just highlight those words there. Much more. Abundance of grace. Gift of righteousness. Adam brought death upon all. For we are all born in Adam. Christ has brought life to all who are in Christ. Be careful with that word, all. All who are in Christ. We're in Adam by natural generation. We're in Christ by new birth. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He must be born again. It is adoption. Not natural generation. But everyone who is in Christ receives this much more, receives this abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness. This reigning in life. But it's all by one, Jesus Christ. What about you? Are you looking to yourself, attempting to be good in some way, to be better than others? You are in Adam. You are a sinner. You cannot do anything to please God. Turn from self. Repent. Look to Christ. In him alone. Trust in him. He will give you this much more, this abundance. Not just a counselling of death. But everlasting life. Fellowship with Christ. The Apostle Paul could say, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. What a wonderful truth. What a wonderful saviour. Turn aside from self. Look unto Christ Jesus. The wonder of his glorious gift. This wonderful gift of life. Amen.